Welcome to Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave, streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes and Google Play. You're listening to episode 47, featuring Dr. Dave Martinez, early college high school principal in Costa Mesa, California. The topic is continual learning. Continual learning is the practice of intentionally identifying new topics that will increase knowledge for personal pleasure or business acumen. Episode 47 is the second of many topics extracted from my book, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking?, that will be featured in the upcoming podcast episodes. Dr. Martinez opined that when you go into a program, you always want to make data decisions by measuring the temperature and take a look at the numbers to see if you're making improvements. Fundamentally, this is equal to measuring relentlessly, a term used in the lean and agile space. Evaluate if progress is being made and determine if to pivot or stay the course. In the journey of helping students achieve their awesomeness, build a team of peers that will be contributors to the student's success. Dr. Martinez stated, you should not go at this alone. Teams are fundamental to delivering business value to organizations, and working in teams can bring about amazing innovations. Dr. Martinez also said, put theory into practice. One of the key factors is to ensure the students are happy. Jorgen Opello's book, Managing for Happiness, spoke of the correlation of people being happy and the success in business. The same applies for students being happy and their success in learning. The leadership at Early College High School in Costa Mesa, California is very innovative and encourages students to help curve some of the campus activities. For example, a survey of students resulted in three programs that improved the extracurricular activities on campus. The wisdom of crowds theory was applied and the students responded with innovative programs that was beneficial for the entire student body. Resilience is relevant to being in a growth mindset for continual learning to be present in a person's life. Dr. Martinez tells his students that resilience is having grit. G is for growth, R is for resilience, I is for intensity, and T is for tenacity. Find a way to learn outside the box so you can be successful. I am Dr. Dave Martinez. Uh, I work at Early College High School, which is part of the Newport Mesa Unified School District. I serve as principal. I've uh, been principal for uh, a year and a half, so I'm in my second year. And uh, total years of experience in my field, I am in my 25th year in education. My first 11 years were in the capacity as a high school teacher at two different high schools. And then I started my administrative experience uh, in 2003, so I'm my 14th year as an administrator. So let's go through the four different themes, and there's about seven questions. Okay. So let's start with inspiration. Mm -hmm. What were some of your experiences that inspired you to start this business or work in this field? Yeah, first and foremost, I tell people I'm not in the business of education. I'm actually, uh, I feel it's a calling to work with young people. And uh, what inspired me is soon after, literally after I 
finished high school myself. I went into college. I went straight into coaching and worked with high school students uh, at 17 years of age. And um, so I did a lot of coaching while I was competing in sports in college and working with young people and just saw what sort of impact I could make. And a lot of people that I was working with, coaches, said, you know, you really should think about becoming a teacher. So it led into teaching, and I felt called to do that uh, primarily as a math teacher and working with students and helping them grow and relate how math works in the real world and how they can develop themselves. Uh, but I got to a point in my career where I felt, okay, it's pretty limited with math. Um, and I was also coaching at the same time I wanted to broaden myself. So I uh, thought about uh, getting an administration. I knew leaving the classroom was going to be a difficult decision because you're working with students in a different context outside of the classroom, uh, working with uh, students, but also probably more so with families. Um, but I really felt it was the right decision. It was definitely a transition for me. And it was about at that time that I started my doctoral program at Pepperdine. But, you know, it's one of those things where you just have the faith to see what you're learning class in theory and you're able to put it in practice at the school site. And you have your good days and your bad days, but the good outweigh the more uh, the bad and um, really felt uh, it was something I should pursue. So start off as an assistant principal on that level and uh, did that for came out to 12 years doing that and then felt it was time to be ready to become principal. So you asked me the question if I was going to be principal back in high school. Nope. <laughs> I, I was set to be a football coach and a teacher for life. And But it's just uh, interesting as you grow and you develop and how you think you can work with young people and their families to advance themselves. That's why I got into education. So let's look at challenges. Mm -hmm. So describe significant challenges experienced in your professional journey. You know, I just think um, the landscape of households and families has changed. Um, and what our students, our adolescents face in the world today are much more challenging than when you and I grew up. Um, I always reflect back to how was it like to be a teenager uh, for myself and where it is now. And it's an ever-changing world. It's much more a global competition and getting our students ready. Um, I don't think global competition was even a phrase back uh, when I was growing up, other than it was the U.S. versus the Soviet Union. That was it. Uh, but we weren't really saying to our kids, we've got to be globally competitive. So the Internet was not even – it was barely a concept at that time. I just think um, there's been challenges, particularly with the students I work with in the household, as far as, you know, times it's just it, – it, you just don't see – Families where you have the one parent working and one parent home to provide that nurturing uh, and, and really truly be what I think would be the, the most effective partners in the educational process. They're burning the candle at both ends, working hard. And I'm speaking about the parents. So I see as educators, we're, we're wearing several hats. We're not only providing the education, the curriculum and instruction, but we're also there to be an, an emotional support for the students and uh, having to be mentors for them and truly role models for them. And, uh, you know, we get them, you know, eight hours a day and uh, probably more waking, their waking hours than their parents do in some cases. So uh, I find ourselves having to be really nurturing the kids. And, uh, you know, that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. We're part of that village. So how did those experiences shape your thinking? It challenged my thinking. It allowed me to professionally stretch and take a look, as I referenced in my doctoral program, 
putting theory into practice. And it really made me realize you need to know your community that you're working in. And one community will be slightly different than the other. And we all have the belief that kids are kids, but their circumstances may not generally be the same. So you really have to understand your community and understand that you are part of the fabric of the community and what your role is in, in helping to raise that child. And furthermore, you have to realize that each child and their circumstances is slightly different. What may work with one may not work with the other. And it really comes down to trust and building that trust with parents and understanding uh, with them or helping them to understand that you genuinely are invested in their child, uh, that you've been given basically the assignment and, and the role to help them grow and help that parent be able to navigate through how the educational process works. Um, particularly in my case right now, I have 72% of my students that qualify for the free or reduced lunch program. So there's, there's need out there and there's also uh, resources that they need. So you have to try to provide, like I tell the students, I have to put them in the best possible position to succeed academically. What are some of the other peripheral uh, resources that we can provide for them uh, here, whether it's with the, within a regular bell schedule or through night programs and what have you, so they can really genuinely see that the hope of going to college, because that's what we're about, it can become the reality. So it's um, it's quite the puzzle, and it changes on you from year to year a little bit, but you just have to keep up with it and uh, make sure you um, keep abreast with what you're doing within your community and be aware of what's going on. So we'll go to the theme of discovery. What techniques or practices did you apply to amplify opportunities or dampen adverse results? Wow, that's, uh, I would say initially what I did is, you know, when you come, when you go into programs, you always take a look at, okay, let's make data-driven decisions. Look at your data, look at the results. Analyze what you're doing, whether it's a program or uh, a certain strategy that you're utilizing to help kids, and take a look at the results and see, are you making improvement? Um, I, I really believe in the growth mindset and seeing what sort of progress is being made. And if you find that it's working and what you're doing just requires tweaks here and there, you do that. But you have to constantly take a temperature every so often to see how well that's happening. But Come up with something that's measurable at the end. Don't go by anecdotal, oh, this may be working, that may be working. Have something that's measured that's there. Um, I, I think that's been probably my most reliable technique that I've had um, in doing that and making decisions on that. Uh, but also, don't go in it alone. Identify your, your people on your campus because I tell people, you know, the answers are in the room and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts that are here and Find the people that you can work with that can be part of a team towards that effort, um, whether it's an it's a academic intervention program or, uh, you know, even here at Early College on Fridays, we provide social-emotional support for our students and have them call in. This is something we just brought back this year. I, I talk with those counselors and say, hey, let's talk and let's see what's effective and is it really making a, a change for the students? Um, because the bottom line is, for me, as an educator, what's most important is, is the student happy. If they're not happy, they're not going to learn. They're not going to want to be motivated to learn. And I always want to take that temperature of how the kids are, social, emotionally, with their, with their happiness factor, if you want to 
for lack of a better phrase, it's uh, it it all helps with the culture of the school. Uh, it's it's very foundational. So, what creative or innovative ideas allowed you to achieve your organization's or personal goals? You know, you, you always go in having to ask questions um, and talking to people. So, one of the things that I've done is just casually have some conversations, bounce ideas off of people. And even with our students, I do that. Um, we had a couple of things that we were trying to find what would really tap into our students' interests with uh, extracurricular offerings. Uh, when I arrived here, th you can see there was a wealth of the high school college prep classes and the combination of the college classes, but what could we offer to our students that were extracurricular? So just putting together a survey monkey and saying, hey, kids, this is going to be live for a week. You have your opportunity to chime in and tell us what you're interested in. And from those results, we, we actually came up with three programs that we've implemented that our students can participate in after the school day. Um, and I think that's helped with building that culture, going back to identifying what they can do, whether it's release time for them to do that activity or it's something that's generally uh, they want to expand in. So uh, doing that, I think that was one novel strategy. I mean, you do... Normally, you don't see principals sending out surveys through SurveyMonkey to uh, through the students to get their input on that. Um, I, I think another quote-unquote novel approach that I've I've used to um, to enhance the organization is really just trying to lump our teachers and our educators with our parents and have them there in the same room in combined meetings. And usually, you would see that in the context of a a school site council because it dictates you need to have representation from the stakeholders. But outside of that, whether it's PTSA meetings, um, because it is parent, teacher, student association and having all those constituencies there to talk about what's working at the school and what are some things that we want to delve into as a school uh, to further advance ourselves. So um, I think we're doing a, a better job with that now, with that involvement, with those three constituencies being there that hadn't always existed at the school. And, um, you know, I, I think we're at a time right now where it's it's really ripe to do that um, because as a school ourselves, we're, we're going through the accreditation process formally next year. And we have to show evidence that we've increased our parental involvement because they are, they're a critical piece of the equation. They need to know really what the college process is and why the students, their child is taking the sequence of courses and how it's going to look afterwards. So um, hopefully that answers that question as far as some of the new things we've tried to do here. Oh, it definitely did. Let's look at resilience as a theme. This is a very interesting question. So imagine that you are a fingernail away from achieving your dream and you ran out of resources. What would you do? Well, you know, I tell my students um, resilience is one of my favorite words because I, um, I use the acronym of GRIT with them. And, and GRIT is, uh, you know, G-R-I-T. You know, GRIT is for growth. The R is actually resilience. Uh, I is uh, with intensity. And, and T is really with tenacity. And I tell them with all the historical people, if you read in our country, that faced this, they became as resourceful as possible and looked outside the box they were operating under to find solutions. And we're very creative with this. I mean, you can go as far back as Washington with the revolution. Uh, you can go f as far back as, you know, George Washington Carver with his inventions. 
we try to bring up these people that are examples of every on the surface it may look like they hit a stopping point but they went beyond that to look at it a creative way because you don't want to try the same thing over and over and over you're going to get the same result and drive yourself nuts look at it from another angle that's basically one of the foundations of just our country and of itself is that it was going against the grain and thinking outside so I try to let our students know when you think you hit a dead end, find a way. There is a way. It may take longer, but if you keep at it, there'll be a way to actually get overcome that that uh, obstacle. And the feeling you get when you get to that point is that it's just like unlike no other because something that you thought was impossible became the possible. And uh, that, that could be a great setup for anything down the road that you think would have been an adverse situation. But talk to people. Don't go in it alone because some of the greatest things that have been solved have been done by a team of people. And sometimes you just need to corral everybody, talk to your friends, talk to an adult, and you may be given a perspective on how to deal with it that you never even thought of as well. So there's nothing bad with asking. You can phone a friend. You can collaborate, do whatever. But that's another effective way to approach the problem. Don't go in it alone. Describe a time when you had to demonstrate courage and tenacity in the face of obstacles. Myself. Um, for me personally, when I grew up, um, I grew up at a time when I was in elementary, in my elementary years where um, I actually had a speech impediment. So I did have to seek the services of a speech pathologist on, at school and I was very shy in school where I, it was just very nerve-wracking for me to speak. Uh, so you can imagine if I was called upon in class to even read a passage, it was, it was tough. And, um, but I remember a time when I was spending uh, with my speech pathologist as far as how we were going to break this down. And it was just all, hey, Dave, this is where you were a week ago or two weeks ago, and this is where you are now. You're making progress. You can you can do this. And that person telling me, you know, did you know so-and-so had a speech impediment and where they are now? Historical people, again, examples. I just needed to be given hope that it can be done. So it was about the time I was in second grade, and I was seeing the this person for a little over a year, almost two years, to the point where I just didn't need to have those services anymore. I got to a level of accomplishment where I was able to structure my sentences and what I wanted to say up in my brain was coming out on my lips without any sort of hesitation. Part of it was confidence. Part of it was just work. But it was also, like I said, that trust factor. I, I, I felt very comfortable with that person because the build of trust was there and I could see the evidence of growth. And that's where I came from. You know, you can almost accomplish anything. So I have to look at those things uh, back and say, I'm glad it happened that early on in my life because it was a foundation of, as I mentioned before, if you know you can overcome something that you thought was at that time impossible, you can do almost anything. You need to give it time and uh, give it your best effort. Well, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing and being one of our elastic minds, creative, innovative Really, really enjoyed the time here today and, you know, just getting to know you more. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I'm, I'm very glad to be able to do so, and hopefully it was helpful with my answers. I'm sure it is. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. Appreciate it. Look for the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast 
on iTunes and Google Play. The Null Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. This podcast and interview produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius, copyright 2018, Nalshare. Nalshare with Dr. Dave.